Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or, I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com. Use the code word "Do Good Better" at checkout and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk about things that our small and medium nonprofit friends are going to use for their benefit so they can raise more money and do more good. Uh, The topic for today is uh, resiliency or a number of ways that we're going to talk about resiliency. It's coming up towards the end of the year. We've had a couple of podcasts talking about next steps and what to do and things, but you're probably going to be into your own head a little bit as we race towards the end of the year. Am I doing enough? Am I in the right position? Uh, There's going to be turnover galore in the nonprofit world because people are going to look at that 2022 budget and they're going to go, I'm never going to be able to do this. I might as well just go to the for-profit industry because this is going to be oh too stressful. We got you covered today, folks, because I have uh, brought on to the show one of my good friends, Richard Kaufman. He is the uh, host of uh, the Vertical Momentum podcast. He's a a veteran of our uh, military services. He's just one of the greatest dudes that I have known over the last couple of years, and I am stoked I can't believe this is the first time you're going to be on, my friend. This is ridiculous. Uh, I'd like to welcome uh, Richard Kaufman to the uh, official Do Good Better podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm doing amazing. I'm, I, I, like I said, if I if I was doing any better, I would be twins. I uh, I love it. You're you guys are so in for a treat today. Uh, Rich is one of the the nicer human beings who just pays. Uh, advice or connections forward with everybody that he knows. Honestly, it's just this unbelievable um, a lion of uh, of goodwill that we get on the show today. Um, I always refer to him as the comeback coach, uh, which he'll kind of explain uh, in detail. And for those of you who are kind of looking through, you're like, listen, I want to do a little bit of uh, uh, heavy lifting on the resiliency side, but they have no idea uh, who you are, Richard, but they're flipping through iTunes. They find this to be fascinating. They want to listen. Give us kind of a 5,000 foot uh, view background on who you are, what you do, and why we're chatting today. All right. Quick down and dirty. I've personally come back from drug addiction, alcoholism, homelessness, PTSD, traumatic brain injury, a blindness, uh, being thrown out of the military for being a drug addict, uh, getting back in, um, when he uh, almost got thrown out a second time, but after 9-11, my whole world changed. Um, one soldier of the year, uh, comeback soldier of the year, uh, became a non-commissioned officer, then got hurt on duty. Um, they, uh, they medically discharged me on Memorial Day 2012. <clears throat> that was the day I attempted suicide. Thank God it didn't go through with it. Uh, within a, a month or two, met a gentleman, Mr named Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk, mm-hmm. had lunch with him, and he put me on the track that I am today. Now I have a best-selling book. I have a podcast that interviews seven, eight, nine-figure earners. 
and people that have come back from stuff like I've come back from. And now I'm just trying to pay it forward. And my biggest thing is talking about resiliency in life and in business. So that, that's message quick down and dirty. I love it. Uh, and there, there's so much into that. Uh, and again, we're going to put links to everything that Richard does, including his book and his podcast, his, uh, his social feeds, because you really need to get into um, who he's interviewing, who he's talking with, the conversations they're having about resiliency. It's not, it's not necessarily just military either. I mean, these are business people. These are nonprofit leaders. These are really movers and shakers within um, the, the global uh, you know, sort of global influencer sort of uh, level. And and I, what I love about your conversations with people, Richard, is they're so accessible. There's nobody who's like highfalutin that comes in and using, you know, super techie things. They get You get down to the real nitty gritty of like, listen, your life is crap. And then you turned it around and then you did this. How? And then you kind of really learn that these paths are relatively the same. And what makes this conversation today so interesting is that those paths from a nonprofit leader who is looking down the barrel of a budget gun is the same issues that you would have in the military and business and podcast or whatever uh, across the board. Um, I'd love to start with this question. Is, is We just listened to a whole litany of things of just your, your background. Your book isn't long enough, by the way. I feel like you need to do a second edition of your book, and it needs to be 7,000 pages long because the stories are just unbelievable. Um, but let's let's start with this scenario. You're a nonprofit leader. You are three, four years into your work. You do good work, but you kind of forget about the importance of what you do. Is uh, How do you walk somebody back from that to just give them perspective on like, you do great stuff? But, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to put it this way. Um, everything that I've learned, I'm, I'm only, <clears throat> excuse me, a ninth grade dropout. So everything I've learned is either through books or taking courses. And what I've learned recently, because I can only go on recent, because I'm still growing every single day. Um, I'm interviewing a gentleman named John Lee Dumas this afternoon, and he what I've taught what he's taught me from the, his books that I've devoured is that you have to get down. <clears throat> you have to go very narrow, but you got to go very deep and you got to find out who your avatar is, who you're trying you know, to raise money for and get back to your why. Because when you're when you're struggling with your why, your how is going to be totally out of whack. And so definitely if you're struggling, you know, it's been four years, maybe it's time to get back to basics and figuring out, all right, cut out all the BS and remember why you're doing what you're doing and just try to, you know, try to really narrow down your avatar. You know, like, like I was told, you know, maybe go only an inch wide, but go a mile deep. I think a lot of that in conversation is like, what's your niche? Who did you originally want to serve? What's the government not doing that you're providing an avenue for uh, out of the gate? How do you start that? What sort of questions do you ask yourself um, either as an organization or as a person um, to really start digging into that? Because I think that's an overwhelming thing, right? We don't have a lot of time, Richard. I'm busy every single day. I don't have time to dig my why away. I've got spreadsheets to do and budgets to finish and phone calls to make. I don't have time. What are some of the small things that you can do to chip away 
uh, as you're digging deeper into getting niche on who you are, or what you do or who you serve? Well, even if you just take an, an hour on a Sunday, write down who, who do you, who is your perfect avatar? Like I had to do, and my perfect av- avatar, his name is Craig. He's a 45 year old father of three, just getting out of the military, struggled with um, addiction. And now he's starting a business so he can improve his children's lives. That's my avatar. So I think you might have to sit, sit down and figure out where, you know, who am I trying to sell to? Cause like Jim, you know, Jim Rohn said, you know, if you're selling to everybody, you're selling to nobody. So you figure out who that person is. Then you might have to get down a little bit deeper. Where do they shop? What are they like? Where do they vacation? You know, so spending an hour a day, I, I don't remember who said the saying, um, if I'm going to chop down a tree, I'll spend seven hours sharpening the ax and one hour knocking down the tree. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're taking that one hour and you're going to be able to hit hit your target and make sure you're using your analytics. A lot of people don't use their analytics. And like for me, I know like I, when I go on my podcast, I go to my analytics. I can t- it tells me exactly what age group are listening, what gender, uh, where, what country. And that's when you can base everything off of your analytics. So make sure you're using your analytics. It's funny that we talk about that too. We're asking better questions and we're kind of recording down uh, particular answers. It's exactly what Richard's trying to say here. Is, I mean, that's that's exactly what it is, where you're asking, who are these individuals you're trying to solicit money from? Who are they? What are their names? What do they do? What do they like? What do they dislike? Are they even um, a great match for your organization? And they might not be, and that's okay too. But as long as you know that, you've got a little bit of a clearer path forward. And then sort of using that information, it's not in a vacuum. You jot it down. You make sure that you're looking at it constantly. You're making sure you're updating it too. You know, if somebody's likes changes or they maybe have another kid or they switch a job, that's information that you can use as somebody who needs to know uh, the, the why you're talking to this person in the first place. If you're internally looking at the why I'm working at an organization, what are some of the tips that you can kind of look at? Because I'm sure you, I mean, I know you do this because I stalk you all the time and listen to your stuff, is that you're looking at business owners who maybe get away from what they originally did. Um, that's a hard that's a hard question to ask yourself if you've been you know, successful, but you don't like what you're doing, right? Um, what are some of the questions or what are some of the things that you've come across from business leaders who take a pause on a, maybe a successful business, but they're not getting anything personally out of it that they need to ask themselves when realigning and getting niche. And as you're saying, you know, building that avatar and digging deep. Um, a lot of times I think for me, you know, for people now I've had over 360 interviews. Um, a lot of it is what fills my cup. Mm. You know, um, it doesn't, you know, for a lot of people, you know, a lot of business owners that they struggled with, okay, I made my millions of dollars, but now I go home to an empty kitchen and I eat by myself at the table. My life is not full. I'm so poor. All I have is money. So I think sometimes people would have to figure out, all right, you know, I'm great at this, you know, like Tom Brady, um, you know, the great, the, the GOAT. You know, he didn't start his TP12, you know, other businesses until he crushed it on the on the one thing. And now you can always, you know, move into different things. So I think you got to make find out what what makes you tick 
what makes you what what excites you because what excited you yesterday might not excite you today mm-hmm. so you got to figure out what do i enjoy what is my passion and you know if you're just doing it for the money eventually when you know when you hit hard times you know if you don't know like i said if you don't know your if you don't know your why you're not going to know your how and your how is going to quit if if you're not having that passion for what you're doing and people feel it if you don't have a passion for it if you're just going in if you're just going into work today and looking at the clock, people know it and people are not going to follow a leader that's not passionate. It's always interesting that you can tell that right out of the gate. And even if you have to fake it, and even if you have to put on a show or you put on a mask, you're not feeling it okay. Like you own, you are responsible for um, being the spokesperson to an organization that you work for, regardless of what, what if you're the business owner, if you're the nonprofit leader, if you're the worker bee, if you're the boots on the ground, if you're just a college grad, you are responsible for the attitude that you come with every day. And that's a hard thing to get across. Um, how do you, how do you manage that? If you're tired, you've gone through, you know, so much and overcome so much. How do you do that? You're wearing a t-shirt for those of you who are just listening and not watching on YouTube or whatever. You're just wearing a a t-shirt that says that says today I decide question mark. Yeah. What do you decide? How do you decide? I've always been an advocate that you choose to be happy every single day. It's a choice out of the gate. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I loved about, um, you know, the, the book, Happiness is a Serious Problem. Dennis Prager writes about this all the time. How do you do it? You've gone through so much. How did you wake up one day and go, I'm going to decide not to do this today, or I'm going to decide to push myself forward because that's a lot of crap you had to go through, my friend. Well, for me, you know, the three most important words in the English language to me are today I decide because on the morning I woke up September 11th, um, it changed my whole life and trajectory of my life. I was not the same person that I was when I went to bed that night. And it was all because I made a decision. And, you know, a lot of people be like, well, what is, what does that mean? Well, we all we've all ran over squirrels. And the reason why most squirrels get killed is because they don't decide to go left. They don't decide to go right. They just stay in the middle and they get ran, get, they get their ass ran over. So sometimes you have to make a decision and you can decide to be happy, you know, or you can decide to be sad. Um, for me, when I wake up in the morning and if I'm, cause I, you know, I'm overcoming blindness. I'm thank God I'm, I'm getting a lot more vision, but if I wake up in the morning, and I can see out of my eye, that's a good day. Mm. Everything else is gravy after that. And if the Lord wakes me up and I get another chance to be a husband, a father, um, a friend, and a family member, then everything else is gravy after that. So I think, you know, for me, it's just it's just getting down to the basics and just getting down to gratitude. And I'm, I'm a big gratitude guy. So I think if you wake up, I look over, I can see my beautiful wife. I can see my kids. Everything else is going to be good for the rest of the day, as long as I have that in my life. Not everybody has a 9-11 moment, Richard. And I think that's something that uh, people are seeking out themselves. Like, is it, does it have to be a turning point like that? Does it have to be so dramatic as watching it? Because I, I think when people hear that, they're like, well, that's great. I re- really wish I had my own fire moment, but I haven't yet. How do you how do you walk through a perspective building that is so wonderful that you have, which is I'm so lucky to do this. And like, listen, 
there are a lot of people who don't have what I have, even though I'm overstressed at work. How do, how do you do that when you don't have your 9-11 moment? Then you look for somebody that had, that has what you want. Mm. You know, like I'm learning that success leaves clues. So if like, I see, you know, people like, you know, John Lee, I, I see people like Ed Milet, I see people like Jocko. I want to see what they're doing. I'm not going to mimic what they're doing, but I'm going to learn from what they're doing. You know, just like when I, when I got thrown out of the military and came back in, um, I had to do things differently. So I sat back and I watched what the winners did. So that's when I started instead of hanging out, because I got busted from E4 to E1. So when I got back, um, I started hanging out with, or actually following around and pestering the E6s, E7s, first sergeants, company commanders, and, and following them and do what they do. So if a person's out there struggling that, that wants more in life, then they have to start you know, changing their mindset and following people that have what they want. I think when nonprofit leaders look at uh, some of the larger organizations that are looking at those E6, E7, E8s uh, of, of, of the nonprofit world, I think what could also happen, though, and help me walk back this, too, is you might get into a moment where of like, well, I'll never be as good as they are because they have this, this and this. I want to be like that, but I'll never have it because... Uh, I don't have the right opportunities. I don't have the right, um, I don't have the amount of people and staff that is going to be able to help us raise as much money as they do. I don't have a support of a board member like that. And they almost kind of self-sabotage in their speech. How have you, um, your perspective gained on those who might not have, quote, the advantages of a big organization or uh, somebody who's um, very successful? And how do you not self-sabotage your own speech saying, I'll never get there? when you're trying to look for them to not mimic, but to learn from whatever their steps are. Well, I go through the same thing every day. So it's, it, yeah, it's called imposter syndrome. My friend, James McNeil has a great book and a course I just went through about imposter syndrome. Um, a lot of it's self-talk, you know, um, like I read a book or actually listened to a book, but I'm on audible. So I'm, I'm going through like five or six books a week as I do my <laughs> car. Um, and the book was called, from homeless to billionaire. And what he talked about was take five things, five positive self-talks and talk to yourself at least 20 or 30 times a day using those five positive things and think, and then your, your mindset will start to change. But then also um, like a lot of people when they first start companies or nonprofits, you know, their inner circle kind of, you know, oh, you can't do that. It's never been done before. Um, so sometimes, you know, if people are in your boat, just because they're in a boat doesn't mean they're not poking holes. So sometimes you really have to um, do some um, addition by subtraction and stop listening to other people and start, you know, like I said, you know, start changing your self, start your self-talk, you know, start, start writing down your goals because, you know, when, once you write something down, it becomes real. Mm-hmm. So and, and just find somebody, that, you know, for what I did is like I went blind January, my birthday of last yeah, last year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I started my podcast and I started interviewing people that were quadriplegics that had it worse off than me. And I mm-hmm. learned from. Them. 
So find somebody that has done it and started off with nothing. Just like, you know, Mr. Dumas, and a lot of people see him what he does, but a lot of people don't know he was a tank commander in Iraq and lost two of his people. And he went through depression and PTSD. So a lot of people, you know, they'll see the top of the mountain, but they don't see the stuff that people had to go through. So maybe you might have to dig a little bit deep, but you could find people that have done what you want to do and have been where you are. I think it's such good advice, Richard, because I think people do look at those large nonprofit entities and say, I'll never get there. And they refuse or they're not doing their due diligence in saying how they got there in the first place, right? They don't see the pitfalls or the near closures or the, or the, um, you know, having to fire everybody and, and contracting an organization before it grew and before the need and before they found a niche and they got really good. They, they only see the, the end. They don't see that journey. And I think there's so much relatable to uh, uh, stops along the road as you're sort of moving forward that you're way more lessons you learn than just sort of glaring at the top. And if you're going to talk to somebody who's a really great nonprofit leader or you're going to emulate what they do, you're going to have to figure out how they got there because it gives you no story at all if you're trying to become them without seeing how they got there in the first place. I really love that uh, that thing. And I also love this per- perspective. And somebody asked me like, hey, who are your, you know, do you, who do you take business advice from or what do you do? And I've never taken business advice from somebody who's never taken, who started a business. I think that's just absolutely asinine, right? You don't want to have people who've never been in the nonprofit world, who've never seen that position that you're in, is taking advice from an outsider that's never been a part of what you're experiencing all the time. You want to find those, relatable people to dig a little bit deeper. And I think that's such brilliant um, thinking is that you have to look at their path, not to where they're going. You find the people you want to emulate or you want to sort of use as inspiration from that view of the mountaintop. But then that's a fleeting thought, man. You just go and go, that's great. How do they get there? Yeah. yeah. Quick story. Yes, please. Um, And like I said, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. So I hated Tom Brady for almost 20 years. But you know, a lot of people see the seven Super Bowl championships. But a lot of people don't remember that when he was drafted, he was drafted one number 199, Mr. Irrelevant. And when he got when he got drafted by Mr. Kraft, Mr. Kraft called him Kyle Brady instead of uh, you know Tom Brady said uh, and but this is his mindset, even as a Mr. Irrelevant, he said. Mr. Kraft, my name is Tom Brady, and you picked me was the best decision you're ever going to make. Mm-hmm. Now, what he does, he you know, he doesn't tell a lot of people, but in his wallet, he has all 198 people's names that were picked before him. Mm-hmm. So if people want to say, okay, well, he's yeah, now that he's you know the goat, but what did he have to go through in order to become the goat? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And that, so, and that, those are those trials by fire that I don't think a lot of people see, or they don't realize that they're in. And that's the other thing too, Richard. I really do think that this is an interesting mindset piece where if you're in a nonprofit realm and you think that you're the only one going through this cramp, or you're the only one that has a board that doesn't help, or you're the only, that is a lonely spot. And knowing that everybody else has gone through that as well who's come out of top and like becoming a a really successful nonprofit leader or an executive director or somebody who's raising a ton of money is that they all had to burn through that 
because there's no way that you can get to the top of your fundraising game without going through some real crap pieces and process and background and politics of, of the nonprofit realm. You have to go through it. So when you are in it and you're feeling awful about it, know that that is the experience that you need in order to grow and be one of those super leaders. The same way that I think businesses or or military guys go, they got to go through the muck in order to get through to that better side. Um, and that's why so I, I think your perspective from from military into business, into podcasting, from you know, sort of that, uh, it's, it's so refreshing because it's so applicable to everything else that we're going through. Well, you know, also, you know, like I said, because I was blind for 18 months, um, I, I'm a big voracious reader. You know, I've read over 5,000 books in my life, but now I'm, I'm listening to books on Audible, you know, and, and I listened to this, it was 14 hours. It was the uh, autobiography of Mr. Dale Carnegie. Mm-hmm. And they were even talking about joining masterminds back in 1908. So if you're a nonprofit owner or, you know, president or whatever, you need to get involved in a mastermind with people that have done it or people that are in the same boat so you can kick around ideas. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't realize how important masterminds are, you know, especially even if it's a nonprofit. You know, there's other nonprofits that would love to be in a mastermind so you can all learn from each other. Like Robert, right now, Robert Garcia always says, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. So definitely try to get involved in a mastermind. There's something to it. If the biggest people in business are all part of masterminds, there's got to be something to it. Richard, if somebody's going to join a mastermind, they have this idea that they're going to talk with other leaders, but they don't want to give away any trade secrets. Is that a terrible attitude to have within things? Uh, You know, I think a lot of people would say, well, that's what we do. We don't want to give people any idea on how to be more successful. And I've seen that happen a lot in the nonprofit realm. Like, we don't want to, you know, don't invite them to this or they're going to steal this idea or they're going to, this is our thing that we want to keep tight and lipped. How has that ever worked? How is that ever worked? <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, you know, but I see it all the time, you know, especially yeah. being a podcast. You know, I, I have a lot of other podcasters on. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why would you do that? I'm like, because we all pretty much have the same audience mm-hmm. and it's all about creating, you know, unity. So, you know, for people that have that mindset, like my friend Gary, you know, Vaynerchuk, you know, he says, I give 98% of my shit away for free. Yeah. Because yeah. only 2% of people are going to act upon it. Mm-hmm. So I'm really not giving away anything because people are not going to actually use it. So don't be afraid to become a part of a mastermind because you might be able to help somebody. I might know Patrick. Patrick might need somebody, need something. I know somebody. So we all work in cohesive where we're building each other up, you know? I, I always like the idea too, where um, be the nonprofit or be the nonprofit leader that people come to, even if you don't have the answer, but be the connector. Right. So I think honestly that if you can be that person, you know, if you can celebrate wins and not be afraid to have your followers or your supporters know about other organizations doing really great work, they're not going to leave you or your organization. They're not going to go and say, oh, well, this I, I found one that I really love better than you. 
They're not going to do that. And even if they do, you just help somebody be more aligned and feel fulfilled. And I want to go back to the story that you were kind of telling about the millionaire who makes a ton of money and comes back and eats alone by themselves. That's a massive issue. If you're a nonprofit leader and you can find somebody who is maybe well off, but not fulfilled at all, that is your ideal person to not solicit, but it's to get to know so that you can help them feel fulfilled because they will always remember it. They will always appreciate it. It doesn't matter if they don't give you a billion dollars, they're still going to support you. And then every time they uh, come around somebody who has the same alignment or values that you do, they're going to consistently remember you because you're authentically trying to connect them with somebody that made them feel fulfilled. And they're going to do the same thing to others and then connect them right back to you. Yeah. I mean, and for like um, what we were just talking about, as far as masterminds, like if, if anybody out there that's listening to this, don't know what we're talking about rent or not even know it's getting even rented or stream um, the movie, you know, miracle on 34th street how you know the santa was sending everybody to another store but they were all coming back to that one store because he was providing value mm-hmm. and i think the more value you provide in this life the better things are And like when i had you on my podcast i think we talked about business but most of it was about building relationships yeah relationships are everything and you know i i was told by um you know gary when we had lunch you know he said that um, you can help, or even like Mr. Ziegler said, you can have anything you want in his lifetime, as long as you help enough people get what they want. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm, I'm always about promoting other people. I love promoting other people because, you know, I, I was, t- I was taught that if you promote your friends 10 times more than you promote yourself, you'll never have to promote yourself. So true. And again, there's there's nobody better at that than you. I also do appreciate that we got a, a Miracle on 34th Street reference in this podcast. I don't think that's ever been done. And we're up to like 140 episodes. So like, kudos to you, my friend, because that's brilliant in that sense. Um, when, we're, when you're looking at your military history, when you're looking at your spent time in the military, um, what are some of the real lessons that you may not have thought about were decent lessons then, but you look back and you're like, God, I'm so glad they taught me this. As it comes down to either relationship building or or, or nonprofit realms that you've been working in. Uh, well, first of all, you know, uh, my 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 kids they call it Kaufman time. So um, <laughs> you know, because so we're I always tell my kids if you're you know if you're 15 minutes early, you're 10 minutes late. So you know we're always everywhere a half hour before time, and mm-hmm. I think that's great. Um, but one thing I learned, like I said, when I was trying to find out what the winners did, you know, the first sergeant and the company commander would always get there an hour, hour and a half early, and they would always stay an hour, hour and a half late. So I think for people that are starting businesses, you know, even when I went to, you know, I've been clean out and sober 33 years. Um, I used to get to the meetings early and stay late because that, you know, that's what winners did. So I think timing was something. But also when I became a non-commissioned officer, I took that, you know, that, that, um, that creed to, to heart to where, you know, I always put my guys and girls first and, and, and it worked out for me, um, you know, because the greatest business strategy ever care. Mm-hmm. And if you care about your people, you know, 
even the, during the rough time, like I've known some people that have nonprofits, they had to let some people go. And that some of the people actually stayed on staff without being paid for a month or two, just because they, they know that, that, per, that their, their leader cared about them as a person and not just, you know, as, as whatever job they did. And I think if you stopped caring or that you don't care enough, I think it goes back right to where we started, which was you got to figure out why you don't care or what, where did you lose your care? Or when did you sort of realize that your care was diminishing? Go back to your why, go back and dig a little bit deeper, go find your, um, your starting point again, get back to your roots, get really niche, dig down deep. And all of a sudden you get back that spark of enthusiasm that is very much uh, seen in public because you are out there and you're not, you know, sort of passing the buck and you're not being, you know, uh, passively, um, you know, passive aggressive. You're being proactively positive because you figured out your why, because you care about the stuff that you did. And people are going to be attracted to that because you're sending, you know, good vibes out into the world because you're doing and acknowledging that you do great things. I think it just makes a whole heck of a lot of sense, my friend. And that's why I love talking to you about this. So we're talking, let's kind of end the wrap up thing too, because I could talk to you for like four hours. Um, but I'm not a Joe Rogan guy. I don't want to spend three and a half hours uh, chatting with people. We have the, have the attention span of Nance. But going back to that resiliency piece, um, if you're a nonprofit leader and you're thinking about, you know, I don't know if I can do this. Um, I think looking back to this and listening back to this podcast is going to give you some real good lessons of like, hey, I got a, I got a pathway forward. I can actually do some of those things. What was the, you know, sort of as a closing thought, Richard, is, is what, was, what was one of the most, what was the hardest thing to be resilient from? And, and, and when did you realize that it was going to be harder than you thought? Um, halfway through it. Cause I think a lot of people are going to go through this or they, again, it's the end of the year. They're going to be like halfway through this whole budget program. They're going to be halfway through the fourth quarter and they're going to look back and go, I got to chug through. How do they dig deep and in any sort of experience that you had that can help them push? Well, for me, it was um, the day that I attempted suicide Memorial day, 2012, because, you know, when I got back, when I got back in the second time in the military, um, I became the super soldier. I did everything I can to be Sergeant Kaufman, the super soldier. And, you know, once I lost my eyesight, you can't see, you can't shoot. We don't need you. So, you know, they finally gave me my, my marching orders and they said, Sergeant Kaufman, you're no longer a member of the United States military. And I went out into my truck and that's when I attempted suicide. But, and the reason was because I, I was scared. I didn't know who Richard was. So I had to, from then on, and, I, and it's still, something that I'm, you know, I'm working on every day, trying to figure out who Richard was, who am I, you know, what are my values? What are my goals? So I think if you're struggling and you're a business owner or you're a nonprofit leader, and if you don't know who you are and you're not going to know, you know, you're not going to be able to hit your goals because you, you know, just get, you're not getting down to basics trying to figure out who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. You know, you, if you're in it just for, for glory and fame in a nonprofit, good luck. <laughs> but if you're looking to make an impact, that's the key is make figuring out how to make impact and not worrying about, you know, making income. 
Yeah. I, and I think the income comes with impact. Yeah. And I think that figuring out and taking time every day to go, all right, am I doing, am I living my best life of my doing the things that I should be doing? Am I doing the things that I just have to do? Um, am I taking time enough to ask myself the questions the same way that I'm asking donors? I think it's such a great piece of advice is just self reflection as much as possible because you're going to find a pathway there. You've already got it internally, right? You know, we're all, we're all sort of on this same planet, trying to do the same thing, being the same awesome human being we're trying. And I think if you just know that, and you're asking yourself those uh, questions, the same way that you're trying to, you know, be inquisitive to your donors and supporters and those that, you know, love your organization. It's the same thing, but you got to take some time out for yourself. And that's going to be the resiliency push. That's going to get you from, I don't know if I can do this anymore to, hell yeah, I can do this kind of stuff. That's and that makes sense to me. Uh, I've got it. Um, it's so great chatting with you, Richard. Seriously, we're going to have you back on for sure, because it's just, there's so much to, uh, to, to still uncover, but I so appreciate your perspective on sort of helping us get a mental push and for that resiliency here as we ramp up towards the end of the year. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, your perspective, your podcast. And if people are trying to get a hold of you or they want to kind of listen, they want to see what kind of interviews that you're doing, how do they get a hold of you? Where do they go to find Richard Kaufman and all of the cool things that you're doing? Well, like Gary Vaynerchuk taught me, um, I said, Gary, before I leave here, you're going to have to give me something that I can take that I can use in my business today. He said, make yourself a hashtag. So what that means is um, anybody wants to find anything out about me, they go to their toolbar, put in hashtag the comeback coach. It'll come up on all my social, everything I'm doing, and it's all free. Free, 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 free. Free, 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 free. Um, we're going to put uh, not only the hashtag, up, but we're going to put all of your uh, links to your podcast, uh, links to your social media stuff as well. And I would really encourage you to kind of go and we'll put the download to your book as well. It's a great read, really super easy and quick uh, read to get through, but super inspiring kind of talks on the 9-11 uh, sort of start date. And uh, and so that's the the change in in Richard's life. And I think that's really inspiring to do as can, well. Can I just say something about that yes, real quick? Please. Um, anything that I do, if I sell my t-shirts, my hats, book, everything goes to, pro all, all the money, 100% of the money goes to Project Die Hard 22. So all the money that, if you buy a book for 99 cents, it all goes to help veterans that are struggling with PTSD. So I don't make any money off of it. So if you guys, I would be honored if you got it, but it, it's just to help, um, you know, help other veterans. See, I'm telling you, this is why we have you on because it just makes everybody feel great about themselves because everything you do makes everyone feel great about themselves. Richard, thank you so much for being a guest today. Uh, we're going to have you back as well. And of course, I'll see you on uh, social, I'm sure, here later today because you know, you're just awesome and you pop into my uh, feed all the time and I love it. Uh, thanks so much for being a guest on the official Do Good Better podcast, Richard. You've uh, You've done some really nice, awesome nuggets of info today and I just appreciate your face. And I uh, appreciate it as a friend as well. I love it. And I love your book, by the way. Oh. Read it. I love it. See, that's the uh, unnecessary uh, checks in the mail for the uh, for the plug. And uh, but I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks so much for being a guest on here. The official Do Good Better podcast.
Look, as someone who listens to the show, you know that I love helping small and medium-sized nonprofits. That's why we bring on the awesome experts and guests that get to talk to you about how to make your organization more awesome. So I've got a deal for you. I would like to help you. I would like to work with you. So if you're go-to dogooduniversity.com that's dogooduniversity.com and you register for one of the courses I'm going to send you my best-selling book Fundraise Awesomer a practical guide to staying sane while doing good for free because I really want you to do amazing work listen dogooduniversity.com go pick out something whether it's a board training or a gratitude training or whatever webinar you want to choose um, use the promo code podcast, take 25% off of anything that you purchase. And I'm going to throw in a book as well, because I want you to do awesome. I want you to do awesomer and I want you to do good better. Go to dogooduniversity.com today.